Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates. The BAI team of professionals are dedicated to enhancing the lives of individuals with autism, with services tailored to meet the unique needs of each individual. BAI, the proud presenting sponsor of The Facing Project. Learn more at BehaviorABA.com and 765-282-8ABA. Ten years ago, six acres of abandoned lots in the Park Heights neighborhood of Baltimore were transformed into an urban farm. And today, the American Farmers Bureau Federation has rated it as one of the top 10 innovative farms in the country. But there's more than food being grown in Park Heights. They're growing community and investing in the future. I'm J.R. Jamison. Today on The Facing Project, I'll share stories from the Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm, and later I'll sit down with four of the faces who keep the farm and its neighborhood thriving each and every day. Join me as we explore growing food, community, and vibes in an urban food desert. Close your eyes for a moment, and let's travel back to the year 2010. We're in the Park Heights neighborhood of Baltimore, Maryland five miles northwest of downtown and in an area that has been flagged as high crime and a part of a sprawling food desert. In case you aren't familiar, a food desert is defined as an urban area in which it's difficult to buy affordable or good quality food. In this 2010 food desert known as Park Heights, there are abandoned lots that time and most people have forgotten, except for one resident, Richard Francis, affectionately known as Farmer Chippy in the Park Heights neighborhood. Farmer Chippy is a Trinidad immigrant who saw an opportunity among the abandoned lots. He saw a chance to transform and revitalize an entire community for and by its own people. In 2014, he founded the Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm and turned six acres of Park Heights neighborhood into a place to not only grow food, but to also teach life skills. Today, the farm has grown into one of the top 10 urban farms in the country, and it's expanded its reach into local elementary schools, where students learn how to grow, harvest, and package nutrient-dense foods that will then be available to families in the Park Heights community. Every Thursday, the farm provides free produce boxes on a first-come, first-served basis to neighborhood residents, and it hosts farmers markets on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays throughout the summer months. I had the opportunity of working with the farm over the past year to help tell their stories through a facing project. And on November 18th, they'll release their book with a community celebration down on the farm. Today, we'll hear two stories from their project. And later, I'll sit down with farmer Amani B, farmer Karma, farmer Io, and farm volunteer Santana Alvarado, four faces behind the farm, to talk about growing an agrihood and where the farm plans to go next. A safe haven. Marjorie Smith's story, as told to Zion Jala Jamboria, performed by Chandra Ford. There were a lot of ugly events happening around here, and it wasn't just violence. We lost a lot of good friends from sicknesses like COVID and everyday life. It impacts these young kids every single day. Our community is made up of young, old, and middle-aged people from all different walks of life. And there are certain people in the neighborhood who act like glue. They keep everyone together. And when you see them down the block or hanging out, 
you know you're safe. My grandson was like that. Everyone knew him. He was killed in a mass shooting on Park Heights Avenue and Shirley Avenue in August of 2022. People still tell me stories of him helping them out or of his smiling face in the neighborhood. My grandson was respectful and always smiling. He was a lot like me in that way. Now, he wasn't no angel, but he was my baby. His name was Kenyon Smith, Yanni to his friends, Simon to his grandmother, and Cuz to his neighbors. Anyhow, my mother was widowed before her 40th birthday and raised eight kids by herself, four boys and four girls, without any help from the government. She taught us manners and told us to do honest work. Her friends were part of our community, and we lived in a neighborhood almost like a village, similar to Park Heights. All my siblings and I worked and gave back to the community, which is what mother taught us to do. I teach my children and grandchildren to do the same. We all need to do what needs to be done, and giving back to the community is what we're doing here at the farm. This is what Yanni was doing when he ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time. I miss him every day, but I am thankful for the changes that are coming because of his passing. I accept his passing with grace because the last thing Yanni said was there is a higher force. I know he is with God. His passing has brought us together as a village, and this garden we are creating brings us serenity. This farm, it's a family. This farm is a key element in how we are trying to change around here. We're trying to make Park Heights a safe haven. We won't be having tons of violence coming through here. The farm being here has really changed our community. Farmers Chippy and Tierra are huge forces of change in Park Heights. The boys in this area know they can rely on the farmers, and the young men come here to work and hang out, and it gets them off the street. I know when I don't see one of my grandbabies, they're at the farm. I don't have any worries. I always have peace of mind knowing the farm is here. That's different from how it's been in Park Heights in the past. Today on this street, all the way down to Candy Stripe Park, it is safe. When the kids are outside, all of the neighborhood men will come outside to watch and take care of the kids. And that all started with the farm. Farmer Chippy and Pharma Tiara brought their Trinidadian and Baltimorean culture to our neighborhood, and it continues to influence how we come together on this street. For example, when I was growing up, if someone died, the family of the deceased wouldn't have to cook for themselves for an entire month. Everyone would join together to buy groceries and bring cooked food. Well, when my grandson died, everyone came to my house, but they were looking to be fed. 
there has been a shift in culture away from community. I've been living in this house for the last 40 years, and somehow in those 40 years, we lost some of our culture and the way we used to do things to take care of our families and neighbors. The farm brought that culture back to this neighborhood. Every time I come to the farm, there's music, hot food, and fresh produce. There are children running around the older boys, and there's good company and conversation. I know that every time I go to the farm, I'm going to leave with a new grandchild calling me ma, and there's nothing better than that feeling. When children call me ma at the market, I turn around and look because I know someone could be calling me. It feels good to know the people around you trust you with the well-being of their children because it takes a village to raise a child. This is how I was raised, and the farm is transforming our community back to how it should be. We are taking care of each other and creating a village to grow old in with the younger generation surrounding us. My mother would invite the neighborhood kids into the house and feed them. She truly was a mother of the neighborhood. I like knowing that I'm following in her footsteps. It feels great to know I'm just like her and that I can make a difference in the lives of the young people here in this neighborhood. I love all of them, and I wouldn't trade any of them. I have a whole lot of children now about 40 adopted grandkids, and together we are making a difference in their lives in Park Heights. Willing to work, willing to grow. Elijah Staten's story as told to Darren Marshallick, performed by Kaleo Price. Being a young Black man living in Baltimore, I've experienced and noticed things that most people in America do not. Because of this, I've always wanted to help change my community and make it a better place. Growing up in the neighborhood of Park Heights, I've always seen the lack of food and resources. There aren't any local grocery stores in this neighborhood, and everyone I know either has to drive to different areas to get food or find what they can in our neighborhood. Noticing the problems in Park Heights, I was attracted to anyone or any organization trying to help build up the community. When I was in middle school, I started to know about Farmer Chippy and that he'd founded an urban farm. And I would see him around, dressed up like a real farmer here in the inner city. And I was surprised and impressed by that. So in 2018, I decided to volunteer with Farmer Chippy at the Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm. And now as a junior farmer, I'm honored to be able to contribute to my neighborhood in this way. Working at the farm has given me a real sense of community and humility. It's made me a better person, and I've developed the skills I need for my future. The role of maintaining and growing different types of produce like purple okra, tomatoes, squash, eggplants, and peppers has made me more responsible and cautious. Maintaining the farm as a whole takes a lot of work and upkeep. Since we're one of the top farms in Baltimore, we always have to be on point. I don't believe we're considered a top farm by luck. As a farmer, I can say the food we grow tastes better and it's more nutritious than food in grocery stores. 
We have a variety of fruits and vegetables that everyone in Park Heights can enjoy instead of having to find a farm by driving outside of our neighborhood. Our food tastes better and we're the most convenient option for our community. With that being said, there is more to Plantation Park Heights than just our food supply. We have connected several families with resources like eviction and homelessness prevention services and energy saving subsidies. What I've learned from working here is that the farm isn't just about growing food. It's about focusing on the community. If that wasn't the goal of the organization, I wouldn't be working here. When you think about people working on a farm, you wouldn't think of teenagers or children. At least I wouldn't. For this farm, however, that's the case. There are adults, teenagers, and children volunteering here that all help maintain the farm. I know that when people hear about different age groups working together, they might think there are problems, but that's not what happens. We're all on one accord, which is really important. Different types of people working together makes everything easier. Sharing the workload throughout the farm allows our duties to be done faster. The elders, who used to work all day, don't have to anymore, since there are teenagers like myself who are willing to work. Some of my favorite memories on the farm are when I first began working here. Being new made me love and appreciate the process of helping build up the farm. To see what the farm has become makes me proud. When it comes to the actual produce we grow, people always ask me and my coworkers whether it's good or not. At the farm, we make sure that all the food is nutritious and we're educated on the importance of it being healthy. We understand that people need foods that fulfills them and provides them with nutrients. Our reputation is key, and we always want to keep it up. Being a Park Heights native also brings insight into what the community needs, which is why the farm is very successful. Even though the farm is based in Park Heights neighborhood, I want to expand throughout Baltimore. There are a lot of vacant places where new farms can be developed and established. The farm is currently expanding by connecting with different programs and organizations, and I know we can expand more. I'm excited to help the farm grow. I think working at Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm has been one of the best experiences I've ever had. When I'm working at the farm, I'm making a difference in my community. Without the farm, people in the community would not have access to healthy food, and I think we would be more divided. This farm shows us that when people come together with a common goal, they can accomplish it. I would advise anyone and everyone to come visit Plantation Park Heights, because if this farm can change my life, it can change yours too. Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates. BAI provides behavior-based interventions to all individuals with behavior programming needs to enhance their quality of life. Behavior Associates is the proud presenting sponsor of The Facing Project. Learn more at behavioraba.com and 765-282-8ABA. I want to welcome to the show a few of the faces behind the Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm. Administrative and Research Analyst, Farmer Amani B., Arts and Humanities Program Coordinator and Vice President, Farmer Ayo, Marketing Executive, Farmer Karma, and Senior Project Manager for the Center for Religion and Cities and Farm Volunteer, Santana Alvarado. 
Farmer Amani, Farmer Ayo, Farmer Karma, and Santana, thank you for joining me on The Facing Project. Thanks for having thank us. For having thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much Absolute, for the opportunity. Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you all here. The farm itself was started nearly 10 years ago by Farmer Chippy. Could you talk about the motivation to start the farm and why it's in the Park Heights neighborhood? Um, so this is Farmer Ayo. Hello. Plantation Park Heights is located in Park Heights, which is um, a pretty, it has a very diverse um, group of people in the community, um, one of which is like a pretty big Caribbean um, community. And right where the farm is located, there's um, a house <laughs> that is owned by, I think he's from Grenada. Um, and Chippy is Trinidadian, and there's a different, a few other uh, islands that, you know, are there <laughs> or hang around there. And us Caribbeans are used to having fresh food, fresh herbs um, to cook with. Um, and that, that access is really important to us. And I think being located in Park Heights and it being a food desert and not having access to those things, it makes it very hard to, you know, cook the foods that we're used to eating. Um, so Chibi decided to um, start, you know, just growing. I think he started with herbs, like on the lot right next to that house. Um, so that was a really like, like the start of the farm, I guess, was like him just trying to try to eat good um, and, you know, have healthy access to food. So, yeah. And Santana here, an interesting distinction that is made in one of the stories in the book is this idea of food desert versus food apartheid. And that placing that idea of accountability and why is it this way? Deserts are natural. They happen naturally in nature. And Food apartheid is more political and fueled by people and human decisions. And so the farm being in Park Heights, which is a food desert, food apartheid, it's a very political choice for the farmers to take back their power and say, you didn't want us to have food, but we have fresh, healthy, beautiful food anyway. Mm -hmm. And the farm itself is more than just growing food. You're actually growing community. What role has storytelling, the arts, and or other programs or, or acts of community engagement played into the success of the farm? I'd love for Karma to talk about this because I'm always seeing you dream up some new ideas of what to do. Movie nights, karaoke. Um, there's so much going on at the farm. What motivates you to do that? Um, so Farmer Karma here. Um, so I am actually Farmer Chippy's daughter. And so I've seen this vision. Or I've heard about this vision since I was a little girl. And so to see it come to life in the middle of the hood is just amazing. <laughs> so what motivates me to continue to get our community together is um, just pretty much getting everybody to see what's going on and allow them to see that there's more to life than just what's in Park Heights. Imani, you can go. Oh, hey, Farmer Imani here. Um, yes, the farm is definitely more than just growing food. Um, we have like our resident artist, Ayodele. She um, helps the community members, mainly the young males ages, 
12 to 22, help them express themselves through the art that they're able to do. Um, we also have like, entrepreneurship programs where those who either dropped out of school, um, seeking their GED, they may have been recently incarcerated and just got out and need some income. Um, we're able to work with them and help them get on their feet, not just through their nutritional needs, but through their lifestyle. People come there, they may have been through substance abuse disorder and they come to the farm just to to breathe, to pray, to get fellowship and be amongst others in the community. So yeah, it's nice to see more than just the food growth there. You see people grow as well. Mm -hmm. Can you talk some about your diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives? Yeah, uh, Imani here, Farmer Imani here, I can speak to that as well. Um, from personal experience, I actually moved to Baltimore um, as a grad, school, grad student at Hopkins, and I needed a sense of community. Um, so it was nice to be amongst individuals who look like me, who shared the same ideals and hopes with um, urban communities as I did. Um, and it was nice to see that people weren't in school because I didn't want to talk about school. So being with people who are not grad students, they may be high school or just living their life already within their career paths, um, different generations. We have one year old that I sit and talk to and play with. We have um, those who are in their 70s or 60s and 50s. So yeah, there's a lot going on there. Mm -hmm. And I love that intergenerational aspect of the farm because somebody might think about a farm and, and think, you know, maybe older farmers or maybe they think, oh, it's something for the youth to get engaged with. But there's a true intergenerational aspect to the work that you all do. How has that helped the farm and neighborhood grow? Oh, um, Farmer Karma here. Um, I know that part of my dad's vision was to make sure that the generation, the upcoming generation knows how to grow their own food, um, knows how to be sustainable um, and just, you know, um, understand that once they grow their food, they can cook it and it's healthy. Santana here, something that really stood out to me in editing the book was this idea of catering to youth and like you can be here if you're an adult we love that too but this is for the youth and we want to show them in a way that schools and maybe even libraries and parks are not able to really curate like this is for kids not just a place where we want kids to be and so that catering element is really special and i see it in reverse where it's also like the young teenagers are like the elders who worked so hard, they don't have to work anymore because I'm here. And so this like, I'm here to serve you, you're here to serve me. And that reciprocity is really key. Ayo, I saw you raise your hand. Yes, hello. Um, I wanted to talk about kind of the concept of like, it taking a village. You know, we've heard that quote before, it takes a village to raise a child or whatever. And I think, we Farmer Chippy and Farmer Tierra have worked hard to build a village that is catered to like raising children and showing them, you know, of course, how to be self-sufficient, how to grow their own food. And just like you think of like planting a seed and uh, it growing in the, in the physical sense, um, that's what we aim to do with our youth, you know, plant seeds of, hey, like, you know, you can um, 
transform your life. You can have new experiences. Um, you can seek that and you deserve that as well. So I think starting from a youth or starting from the, the younger age groups, um, they can have a longer time to like develop that understanding and those experiences through their life. And then they also go home and inspire their parents and their grandparents. Um, and so it ultimately does uh, become full circle. Um, so I, I, I just think that like is the key in targeting the youth, especially um, just that how early we can start, you know, growth mindsets and, um, yeah, encouraging them to live a great quality of life. Mm -hmm. I want to stay on this topic of youth. The farm recently secured a $25,000 grant to support agriculture and classrooms across four public elementary schools in Park Heights. How will this program change the future of farming in the neighborhood? Farmer Karma here. Um, I believe that this is going to be a big deal to change the future of farming in the neighborhood. Um, this will allow for kids to not just have, if they already do, have a garden at home, but also be able to go to school and plant with their friends, show their friends what they've learned, um, you know, and just be able, while they're in school, watch the seeds that they've planted grow. Um, and it'll give them some kind of motivation to be like, hey, you know, this is really, really cool. Maybe I can do something else with this. Hey, I can grow my own food and cook it at home with my mom and my dad. Like, you know, um, so I think it'll be a really big deal for the minds of the youth. Um, Farmer Ayo here. I just want to add on to that in terms of talking about like the amount of pride that you get in yourself, in your community, um, when these when something like farming is, you know, introduced and when you're engaged in that, um, when you feel, you know, self-sufficient, when you feel like you have done this, whether it be like, you know, working on an art project to beautify your space um, or yeah, planting and, and you have put your hands in the dirt to grow this, uh, whatever crop or, or whatever you've grown, like you have such a sense of pride in, that um it just then helps you kind of that trickles down into everything else so you're excited to go to school you're excited to learn more you're excited to you know how karma said cook it and eat it um so it might seem like something very small like oh yeah we have a little garden but or some people might might think of it as something very insignificant but once you realize how it trickles to influence the um excitement for life in every other aspect, I think that that's also a, a very important factor. Farmer Imani here. Um, I also think that this exposure to farming will shift the narrative of farming in, within its entirety. Um, for a lot of Caribbeans or African-Americans, farming is unfortunately associated to enslavement or slavery due to the trauma here in America, but I think exposing it in this way, it will give them an opportunity to see farming as a way of not only leveraging their skills, but a way of independence as well. You're able to grow your own food. You're able to be self-sustainable and make income from this as well. There's diversity within farming within itself. You can be 
an engineer. You can be out in the fields doing labor. You can do financing within farming. So just exposing the wide variety within farming will give people a different narrative and a different idea of what farming is as well. Mm -hmm. Santana here, I wanted to add that what I loved interviewing the young kids or people, young people about was how it changed their home life as well. Going home and being excited to share recipes and wanting to change their eating habits in the home. And that's another intergenerational um, cultural space that might be hard to change, but we follow our youth. And so the parents are also being transformed when their kids are coming home and saying, I grew this, let's cook with it. And that changes that that meal dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Farmer Karma here again, just to add to that as well, um, going off of what Imani said, I just think that embedding that farming is not attached to slavery will give the children a different mindset as well. Um, and again, going back to what Io said as well, just the feeling of planting your own seed and watching your work flourish is nothing like it. And I think that every starting from the age two, honestly, every child should be able to feel what that feeling is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's indescribable. Mm-hmm. And the farm continues to grow. I mean, it was started nearly 10 years ago, and it has now grown into one of the top 10 urban farms in the country, which is something you should all be really proud of. And it's yeah. now growing into an agra hood. I love that name. What does an agri-hood movement look like? Tell me more about this. Farmer Imani here. Um, So for me, agri-hood stands for agriculture in the hood. And whenever I walk down the streets, I envision a world where I can be able to reach up and pick a mango or apple or peach or a pear off the tree as I'm walking home or as I'm walking to school. Um, So that's what I envision an agri-hood to be. I also see it as a community hub, a refuge for those who just need community. We lost that within the past few decades. So returning to that is what I believe the agri-hood will be moving forward. And Tana here, just to add to that, the farm is undergoing a thousand fruit tree challenge where they're planting a thousand fruit trees near the schools, near those public third spaces so that folks in the future can pick that fruit off of the tree right after they get out of school, which is really exciting. Farmer Ayo here. I love that you brought in the third, the concept of third spaces, um, a space where it's not like a mall where you have to go and spend money or it's not like a school where you're like forced to go. It's a space that is offered to come and fellowship and um, be served and also serve. I think that's a part of like, if you think of a village or you think of the hood or you think of community, like that is the key, you know, where, you know, you bring your family and like karma, she brings her <laughs> Our family all the time and knows that he's he's protected he's being you know watched he, people are looking out for him um and it, having agrihood baltimore having that community piece but also the piece of value-added products like 
we have a farm here and making sure that we can grow our own foods, we can store our own foods, we can sell our own foods. So that is a really huge piece of um, having that. And then having that right like in the middle of the hood so that our community has access to that because access is also key. So I think I've rambled just a little bit, but that's it was the perfect. Farmer <laughs> Karma here. Yes, exactly what I said. It is in the middle of the hood. Every time I talk about Plantation Park Heights, I emphasize Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm. Sorry. I emphasize that it is literally in the middle of the hood. And we have corner boys who come and plant their own food and love to do it. They love it. Um, so I just think that that's important to to remember. Um, we are in the middle of the hood. We have <laughs> food in the middle of the hood, fresh food. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's important to emphasize. Mm-hmm. I love that. Where, what do you hope the farm grows into 10 years from now? Santana here, yeah. just pulling from what I've heard from Farmer Chippy in interviewing him, it's it's that this because that plantation park heights and park heights as a neighborhood becomes this nexus this space where young people can be trained to be the next generation of urban farmers as well as taking this global baby i know that they want to reach every corner of the united states and every corner of the world bringing this to communities that need not only the food and that access but also this positive energy and love and freedom from fear, uh, bringing that message of hope to people. If someone is listening in and wants to start an urban farm, what advice would you give to them? Hello, Farmer Ayo. I would say start making connections with the people in your community. Um, I have a background in psychology and I remember distinctly in one of my community psychology courses, there's a rule that you don't go in offering solutions. You don't know what you don't know. Um, and you might think like, hey, I have this grand idea, this great thing, and everyone needs it. But the people in the community, they know what they need. Um, so if you're trying to start your own urban farm or urban garden, which would mean that you know other people have access to it or it's in a community space the key is to reach out to the community to get in touch with the community to see what they what they already have envisioned for themselves and how you can you know combine your vision and and grow together so farmer imani here yes along with that um ask the community members what they use in their cooking for example on the farm we have some pimento peppers for our Caribbean communities that use it within their cooking. We also have jalapeno peppers for our Hispanic and Latinx community members who include it in their cooking. So actually make sure that you're doing the research to see what your community needs, what they currently use and what they would like to see in the future. Pharma Karma here. Um, I completely agree with Amani. Make sure you're growing for your community. so that they have access to the foods that they need. Um, but I also definitely would say, just do it. Just start. 
<laughs> start your urban garden, even if you start in your backyard. Um, if you want to go on a bigger scale, I would say get the training that you need. There are so many different trainings out here um, that are important just to know what you're doing. That's pretty much it. So get the training, get started. Let's get out here and make everywhere agri-hood. Love it. I just know Santana here, what um, Imani was talking about, that idea of culturally specific foods that comes up in the book a couple of times because this is a farm that centers immigrants as well and that feeling of home, right? How can we get home away from home and culturally specific foods and smells and tastes and music is really important. Farmer Imani B, Farmer Ayo, Farmer Karma, and Santana Alvarado, thank you for joining me on the Facing Project to talk about your great work at the Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm in Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you, thank you for, having for having us. Learn more about the Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm at plantationparkheights.org. Special thanks once again to all of the staff and volunteers at the Plantation Park Heights Urban Farm, and to Dr. Harold Morales and Santana Alvarado from Morgan State University for leading a facing project in Baltimore, Maryland. To listen to past episodes of this program, visit indianapublicradio.org slash thefacingproject. From there, you can subscribe to the podcast where you'll get episodes of The Facing Project delivered to your device each month, or just ask your smart speaker to play The Facing Project on NPR. Listeners can contribute stories or volunteer to share the stories of others that may appear on the show. More information at facingproject.com. To continue the conversation about this episode, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Facing Project. The Facing Project is recorded at Indiana Public Radio at Ball State University in beautiful and wonderful Muncie, Indiana. It's produced by the amazing producer and audio engineer extraordinaire, Sean Ashcraft. The show is distributed nationally through PRX. I'm your host, J.R. Jameson. And until next time, I wish you the courage to share your own story and the empathy to listen to others. Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates. The BAI team of professionals are dedicated to enhancing the lives of individuals with autism with services tailored to meet the unique needs of each individual. BAI, the proud presenting sponsor of The Facing Project. Learn more at BehaviorABA.com and 765-282-8ABA.